Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in to Make Your Stuff. I'm your host, Kyle F. Andrews. This is our second episode, and let me tell you, after the response of the first episode, I'm really excited to be sharing this with you today. I'm so excited that I think this podcast is kind of a radio show that I say, thanks for tuning in, even though you're not tuning anything. You're just clicking a button. This week's guest is actor, director, and educator Deshaun K. Terry. Deshaun is a graduate of the Juilliard School and earned his MFA in acting pedagogy from CSULB. He is best known for his recurring role as Daniel Henderson on Apple TV's The Morning Show. He is the founder of The Last Acting Studio in Los Angeles, where all types of actors can feel seen and safe and be granted the permission to play and thrive, including yours truly. He is also the artistic director of Collaborative Artist Block, a Los Angeles-based theater company dedicated to producing new works that promote social change. He is one of my favorite actors on TV, stage, or honestly, anywhere else. Here's my interview with Deshaun K. Terry. Well, Deshaun, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's really nice to have you on today. Hey, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, so I wanted to, to ask you because you know you're you're an actor. People know you as an actor, and being an actor is a huge part of, of what you do. But you're also um, you run a, a theater company. You just founded your own actor studio where you are impressioning young minds. Um, you're directing. You're directing shorts. You're directing theater projects. So, my first question is, how do you find the energy to keep yourself going? I think that if you're doing things that you love then uh, the energy is just there. Mm -hmm. So for me, from being in this industry for a good number of years, I used to feel really exhausted, and not to say that I don't get tired now, but a good part of the exhaustion came from that I was doing things that I felt I was obligated to do and not sort of approaching things from things that actually energize me. And so I made a conscious switch at some point in time to say, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, put my energy in the things that I really enjoy and uh, appreciate and love. And once I did that, it started to feel like I could actually get a lot more done because it didn't feel as exhausted and exhausting. And it didn't feel like I was robbing the robbing the bank as much. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like, I don't know where, where it happened, but it feels like somehow I misinterpreted that, you know, in order to be in this industry, like you got to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard um, that once or twice. Yeah. And so it's like, and, and I agree, you got to suffer. You got to do the work, right? You know, like I have a, I think for, you know, some might say that my schedule is a little bit exhausting because I am doing a lot. You know, people may not see the amount of hours that I'm that I put in. Um, you know, I'm an early riser, so I get a lot of things done. Uh, I think I have a longer day than most, but I'm also a slow person, uh, meaning that like it just I'm just slow. I've learned that about myself. And so I like to sort of like extend my day. So I like getting up early. But the, the primary, you know, key to it is that when you're doing stuff that you love, then you have more energy to, to do it. Mm, I, I like that. I like how you termed it slow. I think, you know, being deliberate with your time is, is really mm. essential as an artist. Do you, do you find that a routine helps you stay focused and manage yourself? Or do you feel like you're, you're sort of able to go with the flow and get pulled in any direction, no matter the time of day? 
my personal routine is that, yes, there is a little bit of routine, but the routine is also built in with a lot of variation, mm-hmm. um, meaning that I also have discovered for myself that I am a bit of a left brain, right brain person. So it's really cool for me when, you know, like if I'm, you know, working on acting studio stuff, part of that is also running a business. And so I get to like exercise the left brain a bit. And then if I, you know, have a self tape, or if I'm directing something, then I get to, you know, exercise the right brain. And I really like that momentum going back and forth. Whereas for a while there, I told myself, somehow I told myself that as an actor, I needed to be like so right brain and I just needed to be this like emotional, vulnerable person. And, and I'm just supposed to be charismatic and walk into the room and just, just be like free and impulsive. And that's not me. Like I'm very, you know, I'm a shy person. Um, I'm introverted. So I, I you know, I recharge uh, alone. And so there were a lot of things about me that felt that it wasn't necessarily built for the system of this industry. And then eventually I realized that I can't really fight that, the, the, the flow of the ocean of how I work. And mm. so I started to embrace it more. And I found that I started having more fun and uh, I started achieving more. I, I, I love how you put that, especially because you, you've, you know, you've admitted to being a, an introvert. I'm a bit of an introvert myself. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very loud introvert, but still an introvert nonetheless. I have a lot of, I'm sure a lot of uh, filmmakers and writers are listening to this and they feel like they can't put their voice forward without having to step out of a box where they feel comfortable. Do you think it's important to adjust your sense of what's comfortable in order to get your art out there in the world? Or, or do you think that you can, you know, sort of live in a box where people come to you and have to accept you where you are? I think maybe, first of all, I don't feel qualified to answer that question. Okay, great. I love that. Honesty is <laughs> important. Because I just don't know. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's a maybe for me, I can say that it's a little bit of both, right? Like there's, um, there's times where I found the key of it is to really sort of, you know, here's what it is. Um, and I've done like the whole gamut. Like I've, I think I've done the whole gamut, meaning that like for a while in my career, I was really in, uh, I was spending a lot of time in mastermind groups. I was working with career coach, you know, um, you know, some people, because I'm, I'm a Juilliard grad, one of the things that people sometimes feel like, oh, but you graduated from Juilliard. So, you know, that's how your career happened. And that's such bullshit because- I graduated from Juilliard and I wasn't like some of the people who graduated from Juilliard where they automatically, you know, just got like the top agent and all that stuff. It was, it's been years and years of hustle. Um, but not to say that, you know, Juilliard, you know, didn't help, but there was literally, I had to, felt like I was, had to get on the grounds, boots running, figuring out how to get the right agent, how to get manager, right manager, how to, you know, uh, get my, my work noticed by casting directors and still doing that even today. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a that's a really good answer because I think that having gone to Emerson myself, getting pushed out, getting like go now you've learned now go do it, and there there seems to be a big gulf between learning the art of the acting or writing or whatever you're doing and learning the business of how to get yes. that stuff out there. Have yes. you, as someone who came from- Well, let me circle back oh, because there's ahead, something important that the, the last question made me think about, which is yeah, I think it's key. It. 
is that working with a career coach, um, Christine Aller, I don't know if she career coaches actors anymore. She, she gave me a phrase that uh, really changed the way that I was approaching not just my, my, my business, my, my craft, but also like life. She talked about the self-help industry and how um, uh, the self-help industry is constantly telling us that we need to step out of our comfort zone, that we need to focus on our weaknesses that, you know, in order to become a successful person, that you have to fix all these problems within yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, but she was the one who said to me, but really and truly, the thing that successful people do is that they actually lean into their strengths. And so that's a completely uh, changing of programming uh, for wow. some people, because it feels like the, the leading uh, uh, pathos is that, Oh, as capitalist consumers, like we need to be able to, I need to be able to create a company like Elon Musk and I must have all of his, but really and truly he's leaning to, he's leaning into his strength because, you know, we know that guy is flawed like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's all over the news how flawed he is usually. Yeah. And so for, and so that changed things for me where I realized I was like, whoa, I have all these strengths, but on a daily basis for quite some time. I was literally waking up every day figuring out how to fix myself rather than leaning into some of the things that I uh, already was good at. And so I feel like it's a, it's a combination of both, but I think we can't follow the general um, uh, you know, misnomer that in order to be successful, we got to fix so a shy writer, you know, saying that like, Oh, you got to you know, become extroverted in order to get success. I think that that's the main thing is I think it's a little bit of both, but I think a lot of it is leaning into your strength. I, I really enjoy that outlook on it. And, and uh, your, your career counselor was, gave you really good line that you have clearly used in your own education of other people. You know, uh, I think I said it at the beginning of this, I do take class with you and I absolutely have, have loved it every minute. I've learned a lot, but one of the most important things I've taken from it was that I don't need to separate myself from the character to find the depth. I actually need to bring myself into it more. Do you find that actors can, and, and artists in general, can, when, when they're leaning into it, do you think that that can portend progress and growth? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is just, and I'm, I speak as an actor now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know for me, it, it, for the longest time, I really felt like, you know, looking at the character, there was a, a desire to sort of step out of myself and that I needed to, you know, create uh, this, this whole other sense of being. Mm -hmm. But then eventually I started to discover and uh, my manager, uh, who was my manager today, way back in the day, he told me, he said, you're not going to start working until you start embracing the, the people are going to hire you for the things that you don't like about yourself. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, wow. <laughs> That'll blow your mind when you hear that. Yeah. And, and he said, so until you start embracing that, that's when you're going to start. And whether that is true or not, it, it is just sort of like, it be, I started to realize to some extent, we feel like, oh, well, you know, making the character yourself is just a, as a general thought. We feel like, oh, that's easy because you're just being, you know, you'll just be portraying yourself. But in actuality, it's act that's actually really dangerous because in the sense that for you to, to be bold enough to say or find the character within you and to literally put 
your lifeblood on the line and show this is me, right? To, to reveal you within the character. For me, that's a much more, it, it was actually the scarier choice because actually putting the thing that, oh, the answer is outside of, the, outside of me. Let me figure out what the director wants, right? Rather than, okay, this is my version of this world. There's way more of your psychosis and your um, blood on the line. So it actually feels a little bit dangerous uh, to me. And so that's been a more um, useful way of working for me, but challenging because I'm an introverted person and I became an actor in order to get away from myself. So then to, to, to have it comes full circle and realize, oh my God, I got to reveal these things about myself. That's uh, something I still challenge, but it's an interesting way of working for me. I, I really like that, especially since one of the maxims I tell people is that the um, art like this, the stage is therapeutic, but it's not therapy. So you really have to have a, a sense of yourself before you step into the role, as opposed to trying to figure out who you are within the role, because then you're not doing any character work. You're just using the stage for something it wasn't necessarily intended for. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the one of the things I, I like uh, about watching you grow uh, as an artist is I kind of feel like, you you know when you know a band before it's famous you're like oh i knew them before they were cool i was really into that well i i've gotten to see your stage work for years and i know you've been doing tv forever but you also like i saw you midsummer at la shakes i saw you in leblanc here in la you know i i love lorraine hansbury i had never seen leblanc before then and you blew my mind with how grounded and centered and just full in that performance you were. As an actor, I often find that the stage work and the, and the film work can feel like they're two different animals. Do you ever feel the pressures between having to be on stage in front of an audience for two hours versus being on set for 12 hours and only maybe having three lines to go with? Is, is there a distinction in how you approach it? Um, yes. There is a there is a distinction uh, in terms of how I approach it uh, because I think I I've been trained primarily in the theater that really feels I feel like I understand that canvas mm -hmm. I understand that canvas much more kinesthetically for myself whereas um, television well all of art is an enigma so you know even the stage is still an enigma to me but. It's less of an enigma to me, or I've been able, I've spent so much time on it that I've really been, you know, I, I feel more at home in it. And I was actually having a conversation when I was shooting the morning show, me and uh, Reese were talking in between a take. And I don't even remember how this came up, but Reese mentioned to me, who I think is just, she's a fat, amazing human being and a wonderful actress. Reese said to me, she said, I realized at some point, she said she realized that I never have to ask myself where the camera is anymore. So she's done so much sort of work in film and television that she has this kinesthetic sense of, you know, understand that, um, you know, that canvas in this beautiful way. And I see that in her work. I see that in her work, how she shows up on the camera. And I see that in her work when I get to see her work on set. And so for me, there's definitely in film and TV, there's more because we just, I just get less, I've had less of that in my career or still had, you know, a good chunk of it. And, you know, even having this more significant time Time, it's something that I'm understanding. And so I think for me, there's a difference between 
I try to be way, way, way more prepared in terms of like my lines when I'm working on film and TV, because I really need to get it into a very sort of visceral space so that I can be free. Whereas I give myself probably um, a, a bit more permission in in the stage because you're you're learning the lines as you're spending as you're spending so much time there. So it's a difference in terms of preparation, but that's just based off of me and how I was trained. I think people have the exact opposite experience. I think that's so interesting that you know I've seen you do Shakespearean monologues. I saw you do the Philomel monologue from Midsummer, and the couple lines that you might have on a TV show, you put more prep into because the stakes are different when you're on set. When it comes to the relationship that you build with a character through a television script, is there is there something about actors that you wish writers understood better or something that you would advise a writer to know about an actor so that they can help target what you're doing? If I could change the, the, the just the culture of our storytelling, is it I would encourage all creators to center and make space for the life force that you are dealing with, that that we all allow ourselves to be generous as directors is to really sort of, because I think the most interesting thing, and I guess I, I get to experience this often as an acting teacher who I'm also, I'm always trying to make space for the person to create their own creative ideas. And it's funny because right now in one of the classes, I'm seeing, uh, we're working on a scene that, you know, I've worked on probably like, six or seven times and I'm working right now with uh, an actor and an actress and they're bringing this whole other side to it that I had never seen before and it's golden and it's just sort of like you know for all creators I feel like if we really just look to really nurture and curate for the for, for all of our storytellers to really reveal or uh, showcase their own individual life force. I feel like that's the most powerful thing that you can do. And I think sometimes we center our idea or our version of how we see things just a little bit too much. And if we could all be a bit more generous in terms of you know letting things be revealed through this individual, this humanity. I be think patient. More, be more patient powerful. with discovery, basically. Yeah, and also be open. Be, be, be open in terms of, you know, clearly you want to see your character. I get that as a writer, you want to see your character, but then allow for that to, 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 you know, morph a bit based off of the individual of this human being. Stanislavski says that, you know, every, and I'm obsessed with late stage Stanislavski stuff, as I use a lot of it in work, uh, in our classwork, but Stanislavski says that every artist, every actor, every designer that you hire, they change the given circumstances of the, the story. And I think we can make space for that more so that things can shift and morph based off of the life forces that are creating this particular thing. I, I, I see that there's always a struggle with artists of how much you control versus how much you let go. When, when you are in the process of like, because you are a business owner, you are uh, somebody who doesn't just act. You also do a lot of managing actors and, and helping actors grow. When you're in that space of discovery, versus control. Does control get in the way of good art or do you think that there's a balance here? I think does control get in the way of good art or do you feel like there's a balance? Well, one of the reasons I ask is because a lot of writers that I read, you know, what you do with actors, I do a lot with writers. I consult and I, um, I, I uh, you know, 
encourage. Um, and I read a lot of uh, scripts where a writer will put in a line for an actor, not a line of dialogue, but a line in the descriptive saying, this is how the, act, the, the, the character should feel right now. So that the actor, I'm trying to give the actor the sense of how they're supposed to feel internally so that they can use that. Do you find that to be useful? You know, I, what I think ultimately is um, in all art, we are trying to reach into the collective unconscious. So for a writer on the page, it is useful to have some of the signs and symbols that the writer is seeing. I don't know technically when for a writer that becomes then controlling it rather than sort of like just creating the roadmap, right? I don't, I'm not smart enough to know exactly when that is, but I know that sometimes I read scripts as an actor and I'm like, eh, this is actually, even though you're putting all this information, it's actually confusing me, right? Mm -hmm. I know that you know, for myself as an actor, the scripts, like if I read the, the, the script, uh, I, I don't remember who wrote her, um, but I remember reading that, so that's one of the scripts I've read, where it's sparse on the page, but oh my God, I got I get enough information so that I really I see that world so clearly, right? Mm -hmm. um, I also write, there's some projects that I'm writing right now. And so it's always interesting for me because I come primarily from the actor space is I love having readings of my work because then I'm I watch the actor as they're reading it and seeing are they able to pick up the signs and the symbols that I'm putting in. And for me, then that means that that's a, that's a good thing. But I think it's really hard because I think Kyle, no matter what art form we're in, we all have to unpack this sort of deep sort of capitalist programming that we have, which in order for capitalism to function, we have to tell ourselves that we're, that we are, because capitalism needs people at the lower tier. And so we've been programmed to be in the lower tier where we don't va truly value our ideas. So it's sort of like we're built in nature to sort of overcompensate for things. And oftentimes I think in, in art, again, late stage Stanislavski, you know, you know that I center in, in acting classes, I center uh, what Stanislavski calls the creative state, which is that flow state that we, um, that we, that we, I think we're culturally call it now. But one of the things that we talk about is that in order to get to the creative state, for most of us, that typically means that there's a process of actually subtraction, meaning you got to do less in order to get there. And so I think we live in a culture where it's like we built, we're built to overcompensate and really getting to the core of what we re requires a deep level of trust that I feel like we're not taught or it's not nurtured nearly as much as I feel like we should to set people up for success. I think do less is probably the most important two word uh, motto that you, that an artist can can try to embrace because if we do too much, then we're not making art. We're, we're trying to fix something we think is broken. And I think instead we just need to let it like you encourage, let it flow, let it come to you and don't try to force it. Speaking of capitalism for a second, the capitalism of art has sort of dictated that theater is more found in New York city than it is in Los Angeles. However, you've, you've made a theater company. You've got a school filled with theater actors. You've certainly been in theater productions in town. How, how has LA helped you as a theater artist in ways you might have expected? Or, or was it exactly what you were expecting and you're having to slog through? Um, you know, it goes back to that same thing, right? Sort of like, you know, I think when I first got out of school, that's when I was probably the most inhibited 
by my capitalist mindset, because I am a capitalist. I'm not saying I'm not, but um, I was most inhibited by my capitalist mindset because in my head, value was the pinnacle of capitalism, which would be like, I need to be in the next Star Wars. And, you know, there's nothing you do of value is unless you are catering yourself for that. And then, you know, through the years, I've learned to begin to realize and always been a person who sort of ultimately listened to instinct, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the times that I listened to instinct was when I decided to move back to Los Angeles rather than continue to pursue my career in New York, where I think for all intents and purposes, people would say that that's a, you know, no brainer. Someone like myself who has this theatrical sensibility that it's a smarter idea for me to build a career in New York than, you know, build a career in Los Angeles. But the reality of it is, I don't like New York like that. No, <laughs> no I, I, I get it. I'm from, I'm from the East Coast myself, and I love visiting, but there's something about LA that, that feels like it breeds, I don't know, it's, you get away from Hollywood a little bit and kind of into just the, the vibe of Los Angeles. There's something that I think is really helpful to, to creating art. Um, and I honestly, I, I can't wait to see you on The Mandalorian. I know it'll happen one day. That, that's still, that's <laughs> coming. It's coming down the line. Let me, let me ask you, because you're an actor, you and this is not about you personally, this is just the, the nature of the beast. I think as actors, we do face constant rejection. We face constant, not just you're not good enough, but you are good enough. We just didn't choose you. How do you manage the rejection that you face? How, how, how does it feel like failure or does it, is there a way that you work your way through it so that you stay positive as you're going forward in this? Again, something that I'm, you know, working through and, and figuring out because sometimes the rejection does hurt because it does compound. And as actors, I feel like we also, because um, I think it blocks our instrument to pretend or to say to ourselves that the rejection doesn't hurt, right? And so I want it, I wish for myself the ability to move through it, to take the hits, move through it, but then also move through it faster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do, you, do, you have a, do you have a set thing that you do when you audition or, or get callbacks or anything that kind of helps you take your mind off it? Or Because I find that if you focus too much, then that can really just downward spiral. Yeah, well, my, my key is to everything is that I have more multiple uh, rods in the fire. Is that what you call it? Is that how the phrase go? Something like that. I, stakes in the stakes in the fire, something. something if there's like a that. fire there, they're, they're all yeah. getting hot. Yeah, I found it, you know, it just helps me in life and just sort of like that I just set things up that I just can't focus on one thing for too long. So it's like, I am, you know, always, if I'm, if, if I'm not... Literally, most days, the last thing I'm thinking about is my auditions <laughs> um, because I have so many other things that I'm doing, like I'm, you know, writing a project or I'm directing something or I'm like I and I try to center all those things to hopefully sort of create a well-balanced life. So for me, in the structure of how I've you know set myself up is that I don't allow myself enough time to focus because some of it is vanity. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, Sure. Vanity in the sense that like my life must look this certain way. And yes, that's in me as well. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if I can pay my bills and I'm creating art, I know that I'm happy. You know, I may try to control things to some extent, um, but I try not to do that. And I try to remind myself constantly 
that the the best part of life has been the surprises meaning that you know the, the 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 people that you end up making relationships with that you maybe didn't think you'd have relationships with and i think that you end up in projects you know uh, that you didn't think you or for me just sort of like didn't plan to start doing this much theater in la because I moved back to LA with the instinct, okay, I'll just do film and TV. But then, oh my God, I started doing theater in LA and had so much fun and am having so much fun and just found this whole community. And, and that's been surprising. So I really try to, you know, in some ways, I think this is also sort of like, you know, I guess my uh, Christian or however you want, you know, just sort of like you let, you know, let the plan unfold itself and let go of the control, both in life and in the work, you know? I think people should actually take a minute and write down the best part of life was the surprises. I mean, that's, that that's, words to live by that can kind of take away some of the pressure that someone might feel of, of, okay, what's the next step? Where, where do I have to get after this? Speaking of vanity though, for, for a quick second, you know, I was really enjoyable seeing you on the SAG Awards the other night. This is going to be in, um, we're, we're, this is in April, this is premiering, but it's March when we're, we're recording this. And I got to say, you looked absolutely phenomenal in your tux. I think I sent you an email said, great suit, but like that tux was just you were killer in that. Let me ask you, was being a part of that glitz and glamour everything you expected it would be when you were imagining all the awards that you would win back in college? No, but this one was, you're catching me on one that I, probably my favorite awards that I've been to so far was the SAG. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's my mom. Um, Because I got to really experience it through her eyes. And so that was really, really cool. Like she came over at nine in the morning, she got glammed up together. So honestly, that was the event. Um, so it, it, you know, everything else actually ran a little bit smoother that night because that was let's cause that was the main event. It was just like, Oh, my, my mom is here. So that really, really freed me. And I think that's the way that you should approach all that stuff. Right. It all comes and goes. And, you know, I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be invited to another festival. <laughs> We take my mom and so we went and we 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 had a blast and then you know it was able to like really see things for the value of what it is but i also like the game of pretend you know what i'm saying oh mm-hmm. get and that for some reason i'm getting brushed up and you know i i like that and so it, it it's fun in that regards but there's also some you know annoying things about it you know this industry has a way to make you feel uh sometimes feels transactional and that's in every space um but you know you try to avoid that as much as you can well i i do i do appreciate the fact that a major award that you get nominated for is one that is voted on by your peers it it, it, for me there seems to be something a little more delicious when it's your peers saying you've done something that we want to acknowledge here in the space where we're all working and we're all trying to get into um how do you bring sort of the vibe that you get as a recognizable actor into the classes where you're working with people who are trying to aspire to get to the point where you're at that's a good question how do i Well, I I try to be very honest with people. Um, And part of my honesty is that, you know, it's like right now I'm on a quote unquote recognizable show, but you know, that's, 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 you know, changes, you know, sort of like, and maybe some people are, are attracted or, you know, still sort of hold that as the thing that they're trying to get to. But at the end of the day, what I'm centering is, you know, my goal is to really just be an artist 
to make a living as an artist. And so I am, or at least I tell myself and I'm prepared for when I'm not on a recognizable show that I'm, you know, if I'm still able to like, just do, to just be able to do the stuff. I remember one day when I, um, you know, Juilliard always does this thing where we, um, they bring in people from when you're about to graduate. And so they, they bring in all the people, they bring in, you know, the, the, the really famous people and the people <laughs> who won the Oscars and the blah, blah, blah. And it, it actually does us a, a disservice because then you walk out of the school and you think that that is success. And I realized a couple years later, the thing that Juilliard should actually be doing and if anyone is on the Juilliard administration and they're listening to this, yes, it's the heart. The thing that you actually should be doing is that you should be bringing that actor that you may have seen sometime and ask them, yo, how are you making it from, from day to day, right? And for me, I really try to just center being happy and enjoying the work. How people receive the work is going to shift and change, right? Mm. You know, you might be in a theater. I've met one actor. Uh, they blew my mind. They said they've been on series. They've been on. They're like, I realized I was like, it really doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm just enjoying the thing that I'm doing right now, that is the most important thing. So whether I'm in a theater acting in front of 40 people or if I'm on, you know, an HBO series, that's it all. It's all been obliterated for me. I'm just doing the work and then everything else sort of like take uh, takes care of itself. Easier said than, said than done. But that's the thing I hope that I'm teaching people to center and not sort of and letting go of that sort of the, the capitalist thing that we all, you know, need because we need to make money. But it's not the most important part of it, you know? Right. Absolutely. And, and as someone who myself, I'm aspiring to grow all the time. I take a lot out of the idea that you kind of have to separate the, yourself from the nonsense because that is not the work and the work will lead to success as long as you're not letting that outside nonsense kind of dictate how you approach it. Can I ask you, is there anything that you are teaching actors is, is great, but is there anything you've learned through the process of teaching actors that you might not have learned otherwise? I have had a deeper sense of when I am teaching, I am simply facilitating. I'm simply like sort of facilitating energy, right? That it's not and. I wish for myself in all spaces that I can remember that, that I'm just sort of facilitating energy. Um, and because being in the, when I am in the teacher's chair, I've spent more time in that. And so that's just something that it's been cool to experience. And I didn't, whereas before I looked at a teacher and maybe the teacher felt this way and sort of like they knew something or it's really just facilitating energy you're seeing something and hopefully you're you're generous enough to to just you know release what you see and hopefully let it go without you know without any sense of ego mm. so finally like bringing this all kind of together is whether or not you're able to celebrate yourself inside the work you're doing, even if that work hasn't necessarily impacted people in the way you were expecting. Do, do you think it's important to celebrate small victories? And if so, like, how, how do you do it for yourself? I knew you were going to ask me this, and I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm really, I'm so terrible at it. It's I was like, I was like uh, getting this, this question in at the end, because this is the one that really boils everything about you down. I'm terrible at it. You can actually, you know, talk to my uh, life coach about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the thing that I am working on right, right now. It's something that I'm really trying to work on is to take 
moments of celebration. And it's something that I honestly, I would be lying to say that I'm good at it or I know how to do it because I am so not good at it. And it's something I'm trying to learn to do right now. Well, I want you to know that every time I have class with you, I, uh, it's a moment of celebration because it's really enjoyable being in, in the room with you and, and, and feeling like I have somebody who actually gives a damn, not just about their own ego of how I'm teaching, I'm the guru here, but how they can actually step away and say, go forth and, and grow and vibe within this. Um, if, if folks want to take class with you, what's the best way to, to do that? Uh, hit up the website, uh, The Last Acting Studio, www.thelastactingstudio.com. You can also find us on Instagram. We have an inter- Instagram page. If you just look up The Last L-A-S-T, Acting Studio, um, you should be able to find us. I can't wait to be back in class with you because um, just anything that helps me stay in it is essential to the enjoyment of this industry. And and you really do help make that enjoyable for me. So thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks again for listening to Make Your Stuff. Tune in next week for my interview with director and producer Jason Perlman, an industry veteran who, among other anecdotes, has an incredible story about how finding a discarded script in a Xerox machine led to a TV series that received six Emmy nominations. Yeah, it's wild. If you enjoyed this episode of Make Your Stuff and want to support the show, please click the follow button. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at MYS Podcast. And consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash makeyourstuff. I'm your host, Kyle F. Andrews. My consulting producer is Emily Castro. Our theme song is Keep On Dancing by Monday Hope. Until next time, keep making that stuff.